Hello and welcome to Sibling Cinema. I'm Dennis. And I'm Bonnie. And welcome to our first full episode where we're going to go through the 25 bottom Best Picture winners. Yes, this is the worst of the best. Uh, Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Is it a good way to put it? Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're going to be doing here. Yes. And once we get past the 25, then we're going to have an episode each week on starting with uh, number 69th and going down. And basically, you're sparing me the need to watch the worst movies. We'll see. Or maybe you'll you'll make me so interested that I'll want to go watch some of these. And maybe I have what? I don't even know what they are. You've probably seen... I'm sure you've seen some of these. Legally Blonde, is that on this list? (laughs) (laughs) No. No, it's not. He hates it when I bring up Legally Blonde. It's really not that bad. It's just, we we disagree with it. Okay. Uh, So basically, the the list, as I explained in the trailer, is, it's just an aggregate of lists from, oh, I used my own list. Which I really, I wouldn't have done that if I had known I was going to put this out there in the public. <laughs> but, but it was just for my own, my own fun. And, but, you know, I have, uh, my opinion's just as valuable as the writer from USA Today. So, you know, why not? Right. Uh, so basically I aggregated it with the uh, letterboxed ranking, the IMDb ranking, flick charts, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Slant Magazine and USA Today. I just looked for lists that had all 94, and then I just kind of averaged the points. Whether or not this is the fairest way to do it, it's just it's the list is just for fun and to give us a, an interesting way to discuss these movies. So let's start with do you want to know what the 90, number 94 movie is? I do. Yes, I'm not going to have you guess. For no, well, please. what I'm going to do is read off the nominees, and then you can make a guess. Okay. We're going back to 1931. Uh, actually, the first six Oscars were really annoying. They did it. The eligibility period was uh, August through July, so this is, the year is 1930 to 31. Okay. But we'll get through these years shortly. Okay. So, the nominees... Were Cimarron, East Lynn, The Front Page, Skippy, and Trader Horn. Okay, the only one I've heard of, and now it's because I think you told me which was the worst already, <laughs> is Cimarron. Right. Okay, that makes, yeah, because I think now I, if we hadn't had that discussion a little at breakfast one day, I would right. not have okay. heard of any of these. Yeah, this is so, uh, on the record for the worst lineup of Best Picture nominees. Uh, well, I think we're going to get to one that does it. But the one of them of interest, the front page, has been remade several times. And you would know it as His Girl Friday. Oh, okay. The Cary Grant movie with Ross right. and Russell where they're reporters, fast-talking reporters. Yes. Divorced, and she's about to yes. get remarried. But they get caught up on this case. It's great. I watched a Cary Grant movie last night. Oh, what is um, it? My Favorite Wife. 
which is almost oh. the same thing as. I it. You haven't seen it? No. What? That's good. I haven't seen all of those movies. I mean, it's Cary Grant and Irene Dunn. Oh, she's in that too? Yeah. You and know what else she's in? Yes, The Awful Truth. Yes. And the two of them, and it's. Cimarron. She's in Cimarron? <laughs> yes. The one that we're talking about right now? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I brought up the front page as one of the losers. That's but the but the winning picture. Yeah, is, is very really? early role for her. Oh, she's wonderful. She was she's great, great in this movie. Mm-hmm. The um, the my favorite wife and the awful truth are. I don't know how far apart they are in years, but they're it, the story's a little different, but mm-hmm. they're playing very. It's almost the okay. Same I gotta thing. check that out. Yeah, it's. As a matter of fact, I thought it was the same sort of, um, uh, what was her name? Something Vance in uh, oh. The Awful Truth. Vivian, no, it was... Um, the Awful Truth. I mean, yeah, the awful, wasn't it The Awful Truth that they're in together? Yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, it's the, the heiress that he's going to marry. Oh. Vance was her last okay, name, right? Yeah. Okay. Wasn't it? I don't remember what her first name is. I almost I thought remember. it was the same actress playing the same type of character. Oh, so you have okay. to see it. But yeah. that is has nothing to do with what we're doing now, except yeah. apparently Irene Dunn. Well, she's fantastic. She's in Cimarron. Cimarron is just, it's, it's very difficult to get through this movie. <laughs> it's, well, it starts out with a really impressive scene of the Oklahoma land rush, which is when, the, you know, the familiar with it the government left land open to claim and okay. people just rush off and okay claim land which is a very impressive scene and then it just kind of goes downhill from there it's the structure is it's just kind of all over the place the sense i get from rewatching it this time is that i think that it's based on an edna ferber novel which i'm not familiar with but I kind of get the impression that the novel is centered on the woman, uh, Irene Dunn character, but the movie just tries to make it about the William Dix character. So it's like the, it, the movie's like keeps trying to focus on him, but he doesn't really have any agency in the story. And then it's like she ends up doing a lot of stuff, but we never really invest with her character, and it's just... Mm. He just seems to kind of disappear for reasons that are unknown. Do you and think I, that was a choice of the director or whoever because the actor was better known at the time? Or I don't really know much about William Dix. He's really bad in this movie. <laughs> okay. So I, I don't, you know, there are scenes where they just kind of like explain away his absence where it almost felt like he didn't show up that day, so they had to film around him. Or, like, it's just really <laughs> uh-huh. an incompetently told story. It's also, there's a character named Isaiah, who's a, a, a young black boy. It's just, a, it's, it's almost impossible to watch. Really it's cringy? Such a, it's so racist. Okay, like, so people, it's, this is the discussion yeah. we had I think because you were talking about how, you know, people don't want to watch Gone with the Wind now because it seems too racist. But this, uh, well, yeah, this is this is a whole other <laughs> level. We'll get to uh, Gone yeah. with the Wind, but there's, yeah. yeah, this is 
very hard to watch. Yeah. So, moving to 90... Yeah, so Cimarron got a grand total of 1.85 points. Wow. Yeah, so it was pretty much universally listed in the 90s. Okay. Uh, So, we're actually going even earlier for our next one. We're going back to 1929. Okay. Uh, This is the second Academy Awards. This is actually the... 1928 to 29. Mm-hmm. The nominees are Alibi, The Broadway Melody, Hollywood Review, In Old Arizona, and The Patriot. I don't know any of them. Yeah. This is, this is really a, a, a bad list. But the winner was The Broadway Melody. Okay. The Broadway Melody? Melody. Melody? Yeah, Melody might be better <laughs> for it, actually. Okay. Um, it's credited with being the first movie musical. This is right after the invention of sound. And it's... You mean sound with movies. We had sound prior to that. Yes, we've had sound for, <laughs> for quite a while. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, and it's just very crude. I, you know, I can kind of see... Where at the time it would have been really impressive to see singing and dancing in a movie theater, but I think the the, the musical itself has advanced a lot since then in terms of realizing how best to film them, and because one of the problems with early sound pictures was with synchronization, mm-hmm. which is exacerbated in a certainly in a dance scene where things have right. to be kind of lined up and it just looks incompetent mm-hmm. where you know at the time it was the best that had ever been done but it's like learn how to film dance scenes that are different than they're done on the stage mm-hmm. and so by first crude time, you just mean first attempts rather than yeah bad language or or right and there are parts of the movie that are really fascinating I mean, the, the story is about couple of uh, Pennsylvania girls who go to New York to try to become stars. One of them gets becomes the protege of actually a, a Harvey Weinstein type figure, and okay. her sister tries to save her from it, which is kind of interesting. They name him the character Jacques Werner, which is a really almost thinly veiled... Uh, reference to Jack Warner, who was the head of Warner Brothers at the at time. At the time? Yeah. Wow. Was he that kind of character and then just oh, yeah. died he, long before yeah, the Me Too? Before he got kids. Oh. Yeah. Uh, that's what, I mean, he has that reputation. Jacques this is Warner? an MGM movie, not at Warner Brothers. <laughs> so yeah, Jacques Warner. Oh, and Jacques Warner, I see. Warner, yeah. So there's some interesting stuff to it. It's just, I mean, it's hard to... It, it's easier to watch than Cimarron, I think, but it just comes off as really incompetent. Well, I don't know if that's going to go on my list. No. We may get into more familiar territory now, though, because for number 92, we're going up to 1952. Okay. 1952. We have The Greatest Show on Earth, okay. High Noon, All right. Ivanhoe, All right. Moulin Rouge, Okay. And The Quiet Man. Oh, okay. So I might have seen some remakes of some of them or heard of remakes of some of yes. them. The, but I think it's going to be High Noon. Isn't that the winner? High Noon? No. 
High Noon would not be ranked third from the bottom. Wait, High High Noon is the one with... That's the Western, right? Yeah. It is. is, But it's... You're thinking of the right movie. It just didn't win. Okay. I think if it had won, the year would rank a lot higher than it does. Because High Noon's a pretty good movie. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, Moulin Rouge, incidentally, isn't the... It's the same name as the 2001 movie, which mm-hmm. is also a Best Picture nominee, but it's a different... It's well, They're both set in the Moulin Rouge. This one's a biography of Toulouse-Lautrec. So different. Uh, no, the winner was The Greatest Show on Earth. Okay. Greatest have Show you, on Earth. You ever heard of I, it? I have heard of it. Okay. Um, okay. I know, I, I say stupid things. Yeah, Mel Brooks? <laughs> what is no, that one? Not. I know that one's much, much later. No, 50s, right? I don't know. The Greatest Show on Earth? The Greatest Show on Earth, it's not Mel Brooks. Wait, but is Mel Brooks from that era? Doesn't he uh, do something? No, he something? started like in the 60s. A universal, something's happening all over the world. History of the World, part one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, The Greatest Show on Earth is uh, the... Um, Barnum and Bailey. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. So it's the it's about the circus. And okay. It was at the, it just came out at the time where Hollywood was trying to compete with TV, so it was trying to go really big, and you know with these, it was the first like widescreen, um, Technicolor, show to just show like, you know, audiences at that time had never seen a trapeze act or a high wire act in a movie theater. And so this really flimsy storyline would just kind of be put on hold for like a 10-minute trapeze act. Okay. Then there's one, like there's a a parade in this movie that I timed. It's about 12 minutes long. That's just a parade through the rings of the circus that doesn't advance the plot. It's not really into the plot at all. It's just their kind of for spectacle. And, you know, now co- coming back and rewatching it from, it's, it's just, it's not impressive anymore. It's just boring. Wow. So at the time, like, the, there was a flimsy story to just kind of tie all these mm. impressive moments together. And now it's like these 10-minute um, long sequences are just distracting us from a flimsy story. I see. So then perhaps people voting on it, it was just something that hadn't really been done before? It was a big hit at the time. It mm-hmm. just, it's, it is of its era. Yeah. Because um, High Noon watched... High Noon wasn't expected to win. Okay, it was. Because I, I remember a lot of drama in that and tension yeah, built it's, up. Yeah, and... it's in real time. Mm-hmm. So it's the... Uh, the villains are expected on the High Noon train and that the movie starts at like 10 15 so right. it's, it's yeah, all in right that it's just that time right. uh-huh. until it's great with yeah. um gary cooper and grace kelly right yeah it's, it's yeah so it, it, high noon it, i would expect it would rate in the top half okay if if, if that were the winner big one that's left out this year was Sinking in the Rain, which didn't even get nominated. Oh. Which would have, I mean, that would be a top tenor, if, I think, if that had won. Really? That nominated one. That's a great movie. I love that one. 
I didn't know you'd seen Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain? Yeah. With what's his name? Greg, um, yeah, Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, Gene Kelly. Gene Kelly. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yes, I have seen that. I love that movie. Oh, good. Yes. I, it asked you no, before I... and you said no. Oh, that's great. So for number 91, we're actually going back to the 30s. Mm. Uh, so we're at number 19... This is, this is uh, 1932 to 33. This mm-hmm. is the sixth Academy Awards. The nominees are 42nd Street, Cavalcade, Farewell to Arms, I Am a Fugitive from a Chain Gang, which is about a guy who was a fugitive from a chain gang, Lady for a Day. <laughs> Lady for a Day. Lady Verde? Lady for a Day. Lady for a Day. Yes. Little Women, The Private Life of Henry VIII, She Done Him Wrong, Smiling Through, and State Fair. Mm. You've at least heard of some of these. Yes, I've at least heard of some of these. Some of them is like All Quiet on the Western Front. Is that one that you said? I did what not did you say that. <laughs> what did you say that reminded me of that? What were the first three that you said? Okay, 42nd Street Cavalcade, A Farewell to Arms. Farewell to Arms, okay. yes. That's it's, a book, yeah. right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, yeah, I've heard of the book. book. Okay. Yeah, so if for anybody who doesn't know from our trailer, I'm the stooge in this, only a casual movie core. <laughs> <laughs> so what do I think 42nd Street won? You think 42nd Street? <laughs> I mean... Have you, seen, have you seen 42nd Street? I don't think so. Okay. What is it about? Uh... That's a backstage musical. It's one of the. It's one of my favorite musicals ever made. It's okay. like when we were talking about um, the Broadway melody being like the uh-huh. raw clay or something. This is yeah. this is the first movie that knew how to tell a musical. And, and some it, of them have been remade. That you said. Yeah. Oh, yes. Forty uh, seconds. The Little has, Women yeah. has oh, been. The Little re- Women, yeah. Maybe. Maybe for a day. I don't know that that's been remade. But I've watched a few of the Little Women. It's been remade a couple of times. This is the Catherine Hepburn one. Oh, I changed my mind. This Little Women. <laughs> I want this to win Best Picture this year. I have seen yeah. the Catherine Hepburn. Little you don't Woman. like it? I do like it. Yeah, that's good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think this year will be ranked higher if it did win. Oh. Uh, the winner was Cavalcade. Oh. And Cavalcade is just... It, it's a movie that just hasn't. This Catherine Hepburn was Joe. Yeah, she was, she was great. so great. She was, she's she a was, perfect Joe. Oh, she was. She was so yeah. great in that movie. I I can, I rem, I watched that movie a long time. I mean, decades ago, but she was a great she's Joe great, yeah. in Little Women. Yeah. Okay, yeah. but Cavalcade one. Yeah, uh, Cavalcade is just a. Uh, it basically tells the story of the century from 1900 through 1933. Kind of point is how tumultuous the century had been. Oh, just Little brace yourself, <laughs> people. <laughs> yeah. uh, and from the point of view of a British family, there are some really good moments in this that I forgot rewatching mm-hmm. it because I completely forgot about it. But since rewatching it, maybe a month or so ago, I've kind of forgotten about it again. So <laughs> I can, I can see why it it okay. just doesn't 
pulled together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think for a lot of people at the time, it would have been like a nostalgia trip through, like, years that they remember, where now it's like, okay, well, we know what the Titanic is and what World War One is, and those scenes work, but it's just other things. It's just, like, yeah. there's, there's a lot more that's coming. Right. That's, yes. Yeah. Once you've reached the Holocaust, you know, it's hard mm -hmm. to... So now we're actually going to go back to the 50s. Okay. For number 90. Uh, this is 1956. Okay. 56. Around the world in 80 days. Friendly persuasion. Giant. The King and I. And the Ten Commandments. Uh, well, the Ten Commandments is well known because that's Charlton Heston. Yes. And the king and I is Yul Brenner. Yes. Okay, and I've heard of I, so I'm I would think that one of the two of them had won, but now I'm thinking, if one of the two of them had won, it would rank higher. That's right. yeah, <laughs> so I'm, I'm getting I'm getting yeah. the hang of it because I've seen both of them and those are good movies, so I'd say it's not one of the two of them. <laughs> yeah, because those are both good movies. Yes. I don't know who, I don't know the but, other ones. It's around the world in 80 days. Okay. Based on the Jules Verne novel. Right. Um, that's also very similar to The Greatest Show on Earth. It was just really trying to be big and show a lot of spectacle. One of the interesting things is... That might have been the one I was thinking of. I don't know. Yeah. Which one had like a little plane and like cartoonish Hot character. air balloon. Yeah, hot air balloon. Or... Yeah. A David Niven is... It's, it takes place in 1871, which is when the book came out, and it was about trying to get around the world in 80 days through the transportation available at the time. And one of the things with it is it's the it's a faith it's an adaptation of the Jules Verne novel, which was a contemporary piece at the time, and so this is a. a the movie is a period piece um, because it's so much later. And I think that's where there's kind of a disconnect because it, it does kind of lean into like the old timiness where I think part of the appeal of the novel was that Jules Verne was just really fascinated by, because what opened up these travel routes was like just within a few years, the, United States finished their transcontinental railroad and the Suez Canal opened and the Britain had built their Trans-India Railway. So all of these have allowed travel and, and so it's, he's really um, excited about the technology. Whereas the movie is just about kind of creating spectacle in the different locations. It adds in the hot air balloon as their first mode of travel. Uh, Jules Verne wouldn't have done that because people didn't use those to travel. It wasn't right. that practical. It's right. not fast. Yeah. So it it's more the experience. Doesn't even make, exactly. So the part doesn't even make sense. And what also complicates it is when they get out into more of the third world areas. It's very condescending mm. that it just doesn't hold up well. Uh, actually, 
in when they're traveling through India, they find a, a tribe of Hindus that's like doing a human sacrifice thing, and they rescue the princess from these savages. And the Indian princess is played by um, Shirley MacLaine. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, then they go to China and Japan. Oh and then even when they get to America, they have run in with the Indians, which the the uh, indigenous peoples. The And even by the standards of Westerns made at the same time. I mean, it was very, very provincial depiction of the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just it doesn't hold up well. Yeah, the nineteen fifties were. Yeah, just and, and it's that way. It's really fascinating because the novel has some of those issues as well, and it's remarkable just to look at the um, eighty years between the book and the movie. How little any of that advanced. Yeah, almost moved backwards. Almost moved backwards. Well, there actually was a you know some of that moving backwards. Yeah. 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 So it's it's really astonishing. Feels like we've kind of kind of just bouncing around between the fifties and the thirties this whole time. Um, Have we done anything? Nothing from our lifetimes yet. I mean, have we done anything other than the thirties or the fifties up to this point? The well, Broadway Melody was twenty nine. Okay. So, yeah. Essentially no. Essentially no. But this is not there yet, because number 89 is from uh, 1936. Okay. Uh, the nominees are Anthony Adverse, Dodsworth, The Great Zigfield, Libeled Lady, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, Romeo and Juliet, San Francisco, the Story of Louis Pasteur, A Tale of Two Cities, and Three Smart Girls. It's a mouthful. Yeah, I only know A Tale of Two Cities, and there was another book in there. Um, Romeo and Juliet. Oh, yeah, that's right, play. Romeo and yeah. Juliet. Um, yeah, so. Never heard of Mr. Deeds Goes to Town? Mr. Deeds, is he a monkey? No. No. <laughs> Oops. No. Gary <laughs> Cooper. Um, does this have to do with, um, I think of, uh, who's the modern day actor that would play Mr. Deeds? Did play Mr. It Deeds? It was, yeah. Sam Bors, um, Sandler, Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler. Yeah, he did a remake of it. It was okay. really terrible. Okay. Yeah, this is kind of a... So I did see, I think I saw, there was a Mr. Deeds. Yeah. because yeah, he went by Mr. Deeds in that movie. Yeah, oh, Honestly, that's the only thing I remember about that is... Yeah. There was maybe a kid involved. I don't they know. They might be conflating it with Big Daddy, which was another Adam Sandler movie around that yeah, time. Yeah, I could. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I haven't heard of Mr. Deeds other than the Adam Sandler okay. version. Well, it's a, it's, um, a Frank Capra movie. But it's it's kind of similar to Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, except it's more about like Wall Street than... Um, it's a Wonderful Life. Is that a Frank Capra movie? Yeah. Got it. Anyways, uh, the winner is The Great Ziegfeld, which is a three-hour biography of Florence Ziegfeld. Does he do the, isn't it the Ziegfeld beauties that do the yeah, kicking? right. So he has something to do with that? Yeah. Okay. He was the promoter that put those on. Okay. And, you know, at the time, that's what Broadway They were like, was. exploitation of yeah. women, yay! Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Let's make a three-hour movie about it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it just doesn't age well. It's another one of those. It's, you know, seeing it again, there were some of the, the dance numbers were really well done. Um, it's just kind of a slog, and nobody really remembers who Florence Ziegfeld is anymore. And also, it's like, that's not what musicals are anymore so as even the events depicted are that they just don't seem relevant and it just doesn't age yeah. well Zigfield's Follies yes that's what it was but it was about the dancers going back to 19 uh, this will be number 88 we're actually going to 2005. 2005. Yeah, here where we were actually both alive. Okay. Both adults. Uh, yes. So you'll probably have heard at least of some of these nominees. How about Brokeback Mountain? Yes. Capote? Crash? Capote. Crash. Good Night and Good Luck. And Munich. I, I think... I think that Munich is probably about the Olympic, the um, Israeli team that was, to, yeah, uh, you know, at the Munich Olympics. Yeah, I, yeah, it's about the Israeli government's response to that mostly. Okay, but, but that's yeah. what that's the. Right. I remember hearing. I like vaguely knew that there was going to be one. You know that, and then what? What am I seeing from that? Brokeback Mountain. I think of gay men when I think of that one. Yeah. That's it was about that, right? Because right. Yeah, that's what was, everybody was talking about. Yeah, this the, time. It's the gay cowboy movie was right. The gay cowboy, to. which right. is so interesting now, because what year was this? Two thousand five. Two thousand five. You know, we're less than twenty years later, and yeah. like, would anybody even characterize a movie as like, oh, that's no. the gay? You know. Right. Yeah. I know. <laughs> that's that's how far it's come since. That's right. The gay cowboy movie, which I I didn't see that one, but I knew that it uh, it was a big deal at the yeah. time. And then what else didn't I see? The Capote. Oh, Capote. Capote. Yeah. Uh, just a biopic about Truman Capote. Yep. Um, yeah. And Crash and Good Night and Good Luck are the others. Crash. I, I don't. I never heard of Crash. Good night. Yeah. Good night and good luck are two different ones or the same thing? It's the same movie. Okay. It's about yeah, Edward R. Murrow and uh, it's, it's kind oh, of tanked out okay. of McCarthy because his sign off was good oh, night and good luck. Right. Okay. Uh, so another sort of biopic. Yes. Um, yeah, I haven't seen any of these movies. And which one do I think won? Um, I don't know. Did Capote win? No. Um, did Brokeback Mountain win? No, it was expected to win. It was expected so, yeah, to win. Highly expected to win. Uh, I don't know which. It was Crash. Oh, the Crash. One you've never heard the of. one I've never heard of. <laughs> yeah, Interesting. and this is, you know, every year or so around, article, around Oscar time, you'll see articles come out on what are the worst Best Picture winners, and this almost always leads the list, um, just because they want to, they're looking for clickbait, so they're not going to, Pick movies from the thirties that no right. one's ever heard of. But right. Yeah, uh, it's it, even. I mean, Broke Crack Mountain was a huge favorite. It's the right. movie everyone was talking about, but like it wasn't even Crash wasn't even considered like its closest competition. It's 
movie is a bunch of vignettes about racism in Los Angeles. Kind of a similar structure as, you know, Grand Canyon. Yes. It's not as good as Grand Canyon, but it's like it's a whole bunch of different interlocking stories. Yeah, Grand Canyon was the one with Steve Martin. Yeah, Sue Martin's in it. Yeah, yeah. I, I know a lot of people didn't like that movie. At the time, I really liked that yeah, movie. Yeah, I like it a lot, too. Yeah. And that's much more character-based than, you know, the movie is kind of about microaggressions and, and okay. uh, you know, racial tensions in different parts of L.A. society. And it's, I remember kind of liking it at the time, but it just does not age well. I've seen it again, and it just comes off as a lecture. It's like it's so. Two thousand five. It's hard yeah. to remember. I mean, Rodney King was well before that, right? Yes. I mean, it was, was like nineties or when? when yeah, I, I think that was nineties. But it seemed, felt like to me watching it again was like training videos we'd get at work. I mean, the production <laughs> quality is a lot better. These are great yeah, right. actors in it, but it's like okay, this scene is just. It's almost like. Don't you do expect. this. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Sandra Bullock plays one of the women who, like, she's a, a rich woman and her locks are being changed. And the guy changing it, played by Michael Pena, is, is Mexican. And so she's afraid that he's going to sell the keys to gangbangers. Uh-huh. And there's a way to express to your audience that okay well this lady has some unconscious biases but it's like it's really fed to us on a silver platter like you almost expect the movie to pause for a minute and say uh here's what mrs so-and-so said that was inappropriate is Mm -hmm. it you know abc and it's going to be followed by those choose these which option is the right yeah. I see what you mean by training videos. And, you know, I think movies about racism, they tend to age well when they're about, when they're kind of written and made by the people that experience it, mm-hmm. rather than movies made by, like, white allies who want to, like, convince other white allies what they should be doing differently because those those standards change so much as things change that they right. just look. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the problem with Crash. Okay. All right. After that, brief foray into our lifetime. We are now heading back to 1963. And this will be number 87 on our list. 87. Pretty far down there. It is. Uh, The nominees this year are America, America, Cleopatra, How the West Was Won, Lilies of the Field, and Tom Jones. It should be Lilies of the Field, although I haven't seen some of them. I I really love Lilies of the Field. That's the one with Sidney Poitier? Yeah, Sidney Poitier and and the nuns. Oh, love that movie. Yes. Uh, Yeah, so I don't know... what Cleopatra? That was Elizabeth, Elizabeth Taylor. Taylor. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that one, and there was another big one in there. How the West was won. How the West oh, was won. I don't know. I mean, I've heard of that one. A western. Yeah. John Wayne. Western. It was a 
Yeah, John Wayne's in it. It is John Wayne? Well, it's a cast of thousands. Like, it's the story of the last from... James Coburn? There's like 60 actors in it. I don't... uh, James Stewart, isn't it? Oh. Uh, At any rate... I call him Jimmy. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) That wasn't any of those movies. The winner was Tom Jones. Tom Jones. Ever heard of it? I yeah. haven't heard of the movie. Is that about the slave trade or no? No, no, nothing no, no. to do with that. Uh, it's based on the Henry Fielding novel. Uh, it's a British eighteenth uh, century novel about a, uh, a young man, um, kind of of low birth, but raised by a squire in the time. It's just it really it's like a Moses. Very different from yeah. It's kind of a comedy. The novel's great. A lot of plot twists. It's just of this movie adaptation. It's just so of its time. It's there are some charming moments, but it's just very dated. It's there were a lot of you know the sixties was the time of a lot of change. You know the Beatles and the miniskirts and like a lot of hip and trendy. Things come in, and it just kind of uses all of them, like, in terms of filmmaking. Like, that was the first time you did, like, experimental things, like doing the speeding things up or having, like, split screens. And so, like, a lot of these things are just kind of thrown in there that don't really advance the story. Or It kind of reminded me of when you see a PowerPoint presentation by someone who just learned how to do transitions. <laughs> so that they're just doing Who are you everything. thinking of? Who are you thinking of when I'm you say that? I'm not thinking about you, but like sometimes it's like, okay, like, do we really need the whole swirly thing on this slide? Yeah. It's just like... It's just like showing off what it can do. And uh-huh. it, it just doesn't... It, it doesn't... It, it feels very 60s, like body for the sake of being body and it's it doesn't do the story much justice you know there are some moments that work it's also just not that well made in terms of all right so why did it win and don't say because it got the most votes well it didn't get the most votes (laughs) i realized that uh, it's just kind of a weak year to be honest and you don't think lilies of the field is very good i've I would. I think Lilies of the Field is a better movie. I haven't seen it in decades. I remember it just being very charming. Yeah, I yeah. know. It's it very... I lovely. mean, it's a great year for international movies, obviously, with Eight and a Half by Federico Fellini or um, High and Low by Kurosawa, just two of the best movies ever made. But Not I'm nominated? Married. No, no. For, I think Eight and a Half won Best Foreign Language. Film. The Birds was also this year. Oh, it was just the, I mean the, the Hitchcock. Yeah, the, the Hitchcock movie. Oh, yeah. I mean Tom Jones was. It, it was just different, and it got a lot of attention in its day because it was just it was based on an old novel, but it was done in kind of a hip and trendy way. It's just that that the style is no longer hip and trendy, and it just looks like very it's it's like the 17th or 18th century story is is in the early 60s so it just doesn't hold up 
that well. But if you don't what about Cleopatra? Me, Cleopatra's three. It's, it's so long. <laughs> um, it's actually not bad for a historical epic. It's. I think originally, or there was talks of having it in two parts: the Cleopatra and Caesar, and Anthony and Cleopatra, which I think might have worked better. It's just like you have. It almost feels like a long movie followed by another long movie. Uh-huh. Uh, Rex Harrison plays Caesar. He's just pretty oh. good. Richard Burton plays uh, Mark Antony. Um, and it's fine. I think. How many movies did Richard Burton and and Elizabeth Taylor make together? Uh they made a few. Um, just a few. I don't know. Yeah, I mean they were married twice. Both kind of. Two turbulent marriages. They were obviously very much drawn to each other and repulsed by each other in different ways. Uh-huh. Uh, that really comes across in their most famous movie being Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? I think the only other one I can think of offhand is Taming of the Shrew. It is an adaptation of that. I'm, I'm sure there's more they've done it together. Yeah, I don't, I don't really think that... Just kind of a week here. I don't, I don't think um, Cleopatra would rank a whole lot higher than this. Okay. Or maybe a little bit, because 87 is pretty low. It's bottom 10. Right. I mean, I think Lilies of the Field would rank higher, but not like maybe okay. in the 70s right. or something. I, I don't know. I, I'd be curious to see Lilies of the Field again, because I, I just remember... The nuns. <laughs> and the... How the West was one also doesn't hold up very well. Um, America, America, I haven't seen, but so I would guess that that's the best of them. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to 86, number 86 on our list. Okay. And I'm always curious to see when we have... The ranking match the year that it came out. Oh, 1986. Very close. Now we're in my era. This is 1985. So it's just one off. Perfect year. Matching. And I'm sure you've heard of several of these. Top Gun. I'd be surprised if... Or no, no, that was 84, right? 86. That was 86. Okay. Yes. I'm sure you'll know what the winner is when I list out these nominees. You have... The Color Purple. Yes, I've seen it. Kiss of the Spider Woman. I don't know that one. Out of Africa. Oh, yes, I do know that one. Prissy's Honor. Okay, I remember that. That's got some long, dark-haired um, woman in it. Intelkey? Yes, yes, there we go. <laughs> and Witness. Oh, Witness. Yeah, great movie. Yeah. So did Witness win? No. Oh. I don't uh, which one was the winner. Um, wait, say them again. Uh, the Color Purple, Kiss of the Spider-Woman, Out of Africa, Prissy's Honor, and Witness. I mean, did Out of Africa win? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I saw I saw a bunch of these. I saw, well, of course, I was 18. What, what year is yeah, this? Yeah, 85. 85, yeah. So I was 18. So I was had time to go to movies. Yeah. I definitely saw Prissy's Honor. Mm-hmm. Italian-American family kind of stuff yeah, going on. Kind yeah, kind of mobster movies. Didn't really hold up very well when I saw it. Yeah, I might be confusing that with the share movie too. Moonstruck. 
Maybe Moonstruck, yeah. Yeah, no. That's got an Italian. That's a much better movie. Yeah, they're Italians, they're not mafia. Uh, yeah, I think I'm actually, I don't know if I've seen Prince of Honor. Witness, I enjoyed immensely. Oh, it holds up so well. Yeah, that's, that was really good. So you've seen out of Africa? I saw out of Africa. That was not so. So and it, of course, people are. I don't know. I'm obviously notorious for mixing up movies. <laughs> out of Africa, yes. it's like this gal going to visit, and there's lots of these scenes there. It's kind of a yellow, yep. beige background to everything and it's this highly dramatic and it, there's this love story that they'll mm -hmm. and it seemed incredibly long and i guess that what was supposed to be wonderful about this movie is just the scenery depiction i guess yes. and anyway so that's I, the best part of the movie yeah so that's what i remember and she would wear this like flowy thing over her yeah. head she was a Danish woman who had a farm in Africa, and so she went to take care South of South Africa? No, it's in Kenya. Okay. So she went with her husband, just kind of had a, they were just friends, it was kind of a marriage of convenience. She has she, an affair with somebody? Yeah, and then she has yeah. an affair with the traitor played by Robert Redford. Oh, yeah. And... There's just there's absolutely no stakes to their relationship. I, where it's yeah. just like, okay, it's uh, even the adultery aspect is there's no tension there just because her husband doesn't care, and so it's just like, oh, okay, whatever. You like this guy, hang out with him, and then like you kind of grow apart. Like okay, well, the, what happens? <laughs> Why are we supposed to care so much about this for two and a half hours? But I, I just think that the real and it seems a lot longer than two and a half hours. It does. The scenery yeah. is beautiful. I, I think Africa is just a stunning location. I I just think the problem is with Meryl Streep and Robert Redford just don't gel together. The the their acting styles are so different. Robert Redford famously never does an accent. He's basically, he, he's a movie star when his role is to play like the perfect man. Mm -hmm. the, the handsome. Yeah, handsome, um, masculine while still being very sensitive. Uh -huh. The most progressive person you've ever met, even right. no matter what the time period Metro. is. Metro. Yeah, very much just the the ideal. The ideal of what an American man is, yeah. and it doesn't like melt into a time period. He's just uh -huh. the same guy, right. whether he's playing Bob Woodward, or whether he's playing this. Uh, the natural person. The natural. It's just no offense to him as an actor, but that's just. But he what does, this yeah. type. And Meryl Streep is just right. amazing. She just melts into this role. So it's like you have these conversations with, you know, somebody who just met at the gym with a woman <laughs> from, like, 19th century yeah. Europe. That's, yeah. it's, it's just they don't gel together. And it's just, they're just, 
I, the movie just doesn't work, especially. Up, Did they get against... nominated for anything besides Best Picture? Um, yeah, it won quite a few awards, mostly in the technical categories because it's uh-huh. and and Sidney Pollock won for directing. Um, okay. Uh, Meryl Streep lost to um, uh, Geraldine Page from A Trip to the Bountiful. No, yeah, uh, Robert Redford wasn't nominated. He shouldn't have been. Um, yeah, the um, I think her husband, played by Klaus Maria Brandauer, was a supporting actor nominee, and he lost to uh, I think uh, Don Amici from Cocoon. Oh, okay. you remember Cocoon? Yeah, I do. Yeah, um, yeah, that's it. Um, Out of Africa just was uh, famously that year, The Color Purple got blanked. Really? 11 nominations, lost all of them. Did it? Yeah. I liked The Color Purple a lot. That was... um, Much better. Is that Oprah? Oprah Winfrey's in there. Yeah. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg, first movie. Was that her first movie? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oprah's too. She's not really known for movies, which is obviously a show. Uh, Great movie. I mean, it... I think that would, if that had won this year, would rank a lot higher. The and I haven't seen it. It seems get, like that's a movie that would hold up. It does. Well, I think one of the complaints would be that it's Steven Spielberg is the one telling the story about these black women in the. Um, maybe it, he's he's not the voice to tell this story, but that's. Uh, you know the movie holds holds up really well yeah. on its own. I think that would be a controversial element today. I I can't see how anybody even back in nineteen eighty five, who's seen both Out of Africa and Witness, likes Out of Africa better. Yeah, I've never desired I, I just, to I, see that I movie hope. again. I regretted it yeah. partway through. Uh, whereas Witness, I have rewatched, and it holds and up. And and even at the good. time, uh, you know, my favorite movie of the year, it's certainly I think the best of the crop is Back to the Future. Oh yes, it's so someone was really perfectly structured movie, uh-huh. and but I I could kind of see where maybe that's not your cup of tea, but it's right. like oh, Witness, who, who? yeah, yeah. Anyways, yeah. out of Africa. From 1985, finishes in at number 86. Okay, well. And so... That seems finishing, about right. Yeah. Finishing out our top 10, or bottom 10. This is the 10th worst, so 85th. We're going back to 1958. Okay. Not your cup of tea, but uh, let's see if you've heard of any of these. Auntie Mame? Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Oh, yeah, that's a novel. The, but yeah, a play. play. The, the Defiant play. Ones. The Defiant Ones? Mm-hmm. Uh, is Do the you... name of the movie or the cats are the Defiant Ones? No, this is a movie <laughs> called The Defiant Ones. Okay. Gigi. Gigi. And Separate Tables. Oh, yeah, I don't know any of these. Gigi, no, that's not, not to be confused with Jiggly or whatever that is. Jiggly. <laughs> Nothing to do with Jiggly. Not a J-Lo. Gigi's the winner. Okay. Well, who, what's uh, the... It's a lavish musical. 
Really? Written directly for the screen, but it was when uh, My Fair Lady was the uh, host of Broadway. They brought in the composers, Lerner and Lowe, to make a movie straight to the screen. I think it looks beautiful. I would probably have it ranked a little bit higher, but I can see where it just ages like milk. Oh. It's... <laughs> it's well, the, the storyline is Leslie Caron plays Gigi, who takes place in turn-of-the-century France, and she's being um, raised to be a courtesan. A what? A courtesan, which is essentially a high-class prostitute or uh, a, a companion for I've wealthy single men. Term. Yeah, except that this is during the production code, so you really couldn't really say what it's about, so it's just like the aunts and her grandmother are training her to do something with men and the other guy like loves her but doesn't want her to do what she's being trained to do and it's like it's very convoluted plotting i think that's why i i really didn't like it the first time i saw it and when i went in this time i just kind of tuned out the plot and just saw it like vincent manali's production values of the songs and the sceneries it's it's well done uh-huh. Uh, it's just you know everything from taking it from page to screen is excellent, but on the page it's just a, I mean it's almost an incoherent story that huh. just goes nowhere. And then and it's, it's kind of it's the other nominees. Are there any standouts? No, no. I mean the standout from nineteen fifty eight is Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo, which is oh, this is fifty eight or fifty six? Fifty eight. Oh, Vertigo. Yeah. Great movie. Really and not, not even nominated? No, it's a big flop at the time. Vertigo was a flop? Vertigo was, yeah. Why? It just it's a fabulous movie. Yeah, it's great. What is wrong with people in 1958? Well, it's, sometimes it just doesn't. It, it's a Wonderful Life was also a flop at, on its day. So what year is that? No, 46. And it's just some movies just don't, don't uh, get the right... But Vertigo, I know. so great. Yeah, I mean, Cat on the Hot Tin Roof is probably more famous as a play, but this, this version gets a lot of, uh, uh, that's with um, Paul Newman and Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, yeah, so, that's a power couple. Uh, yeah, that probably would have been the one to go with of those nominees. But, right. Uh, certainly Vertigo or A Touch of Evil, which is a Marshall Miles movie. From that year, also not nominated. So, okay. number eighty-four. Number eighty-four. We're going back even further. Where this is our first movie off the board from the forties, nineteen forty-seven. So the nominees are the Bishop's Wife. Good movie. Crossfire. Don't know it. Gentleman's Agreement. Great Expectations. Great book. Great book, yes. And Miracle on 34th Street. Oh, I just recently watched that. Yeah. Yeah. So you know this year pretty well, better than that. Right? Yeah, better than the... Yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah. So Miracle on 34th Street. 
What was the other one that I'd seen? You'd seen The Bishop's Wife. The Bishop's Wife, also excellent. Um, that had some famous people in it. Oh, Cary oh Grant. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to say. Cary Grant. Cary Grant. Loretta Young. Loretta Young? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Hold on. Winner was Gentleman's Agreement. Oh, is that Marilyn Monroe? Nope. That's Gentleman for Blondes. Gentleman for Blondes. That's great. Yeah, Gentleman's Agreement is... Wait, is the Gentleman for Blondes the one on the, like, cruise ship? Yes. Hilarious movie. It's fantastic. Oh, it's my gosh. Not from 1947, but it's great. It's, oh, it's not, yes. not a Best Picture nominee. That Olympic team. Terrific. Oh, my, oh my gosh. That's oh, great. Oh, yeah, that's so good. Okay, that's anyway. Great. Okay, so Gentleman's Agreement, what is that about? Uh, Gregory Peck oh. stars yes. as a reporter, and he's um, tasked to do an expose on anti-Semitism in, in New York. So he does so by pretending to be Jewish. Uh, so that's interesting, because I also not too long ago, within the last year, last few months watched him in the one where he is playing a lawyer uh, to kill Mockingbird. To kill Mockingbird. Of course, yeah. yes. uh, so do you think did, did he particularly like these roles where he's bringing out injustices oh yeah uh, yeah he was very much again, a, a very strong activist okay side yeah. to him yeah I get, yeah, so that's interesting. So ha, so he plays a a Jew Jewish man. He plays um, a Gentile man who pretends to be Jewish right. to to experience anti Semitism and write an article on it. Okay, right as a journalist, right? Yes, I'm not surprised to see it this low, just because it has a reputation for just being very sermonizing mm-hmm. Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck does this sort of role better than almost anybody can. But it, it is a lot of his speech of uh, some of the things that don't age particularly well is one of his, I think his secretary is Jewish. And, you know, she has kind of internalized some of the anti-Semitic sentiments. So there are parts where he's kind of lecturing her on her own it, it, it just doesn't come so it's off a little well. cringy it's a little mansplaining <laughs> yeah and so the movie is just very solemnizing it's also it takes a while to get going it's about a half hour into it before he decides on his his angle of pretending to be jewish first time i watched it i don't really care for it when I rewatched it this time, I, I, I liked it a lot better. I uh-huh. think those flaws are still there, but I think it's a lot more interesting than a lot of other more recent movies about discrimination. Like we talked about Crash uh, not too long ago. It just doesn't age well. Where I think this, while there are parts that don't age well, it also touches on things that seem kind of ahead of their time, because like, a lot of what is touched on is what we would call now like unconscious bias and microaggressions. Uh, you know, they didn't have that terminology that kind of 
ideas that are behind the terminology. The movie's about the high society New York social situations and like not getting into country clubs or, or restaurants, not holding your reservations. And so I think that also is what initially struck me as kind of trite, especially at the time that like the Nuremberg trials are going on and on an international scale, anti-Semitism right. is a matter of life and death. Yeah. And here you're just dealing with high society type mm-hmm. problems. But accepting that, it has an interesting take because the movie is about these um, New York liberals who think they don't have a, a prejudice bone in their body and finding out that they do have these deeper prejudices. And that's what I thought was interesting. It's the same year as Crossfire, which is also a movie about anti-Semitism. It's a, a film noir murder mystery where a murder takes place in a Jewish community and there's on both sides of the law the anti-Semitism comes into play in, in solving the case. But with that movie it's the play it's based on it's actually not a Jewish community but a gay community oh. and so anti-Semitism was, it was changed to anti-Semitism obviously because of the code but it's not it was also, it wasn't uncommon in that area, in that What era, year is it again? 47. 47, yeah. So, so it wasn't was, uncommon for yeah. anti-Semitism to be kind of code for anti-gay. Really? Too. Yeah, I mean, it, it was the thing in Crossfire. I'm not saying that that's what Gentleman's Agreement is about, because it's not. Right. But I think one of the things that I, I saw at this time that's still relevant today is... The type of prejudice it deals with is where you have an out-group that is capable of passing for the in-group. Oh, yeah. So, and, and right. well, as some a, can and some can't, because there's right. a scene where as someone who is like very... women or exactly. African-American. Exactly. Or, right. Yeah, and so that brings in a really interesting dynamic, because really in both cases, Gregory Peck does come across someone who's very clearly Jewish and, and even would know it. And so there are people who, in the group, there are people who can pass and who can't. And so it deals with a unique set of pressures on do the people who can pass, what's their obligation to the others in their community, and also should they have to pass. And so that's where I kind of still think it's relevant today because you still get that kind of the some of the what he encounters is well i don't you know i i like the jewish people but do they have to think you're one of them and so i don't know i i think that this might be one if we ever go back and do full episodes on any of these this might be a good one too. okay yeah i think do one. Be, uh, laura would watch it with you yeah, she would like, of course, because it's, <laughs> it's Gregory Greg Peck. Anyways, so it went a long time on that one, but it's just an interesting movie. Cause it, yeah, well, it's an interesting time in that mid-40s where people are wrestling with what did we just do as humanity and what else are we capable of? So I think that's an interesting. We're ready to go back into our lifetimes? Yeah, all right. So now we're back in 1989. Oh, I remember that. This is number 83. 83. Our nominees are Born on the Fourth of July. Okay, that's... Uh, 
Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Yeah, I was going to say Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. right? Born on the 4th of July. That's like a Vietnam movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Vietnam veteran movie. Okay. Born, oh yeah, Born on the 4th of July, Dead Poet Society. Oh, yes, I remember that. Driving Miss Daisy. Driving Miss Daisy, yes. Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. And My Left Foot. I did not see My Left Foot. I think I've seen all, I saw all those other movies. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, My Left Foot is good. It's about an Irish painter who has severe cerebral palsy and paints with his left foot. Is that based on a true story? My left foot? My left foot is, yes. I feel, uh, let's see, which one won Best Picture? Did Born on the Fourth of July? No, it didn't. Okay. Dead Poets Society? But one Best Picture that would be ranked down in 83rd place. Well, I like Dead Poets Society. It's Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. Do Do you have a guess on what the winner is? Oh, okay, so I've already gone through. Wait, what were the other ones? I've gone through most of them. Oh, Driving Miss Daisy. Uh, Field of Dreams. Well, did Field of Dreams didn't win. Did Driving Miss Daisy won? Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. Okay. You seen it? I believe I have. I know yeah. what it's about. It's about the chauffeur driving a wealthy older woman. Yeah. Who's Miss Daisy? Jessica Tandy. Jessica Tandy. I feel like I've seen that. Yeah, it's not a movie that has aged particularly well. Particularly, even at the time, it got a lot of criticism because this is the year that Spike Lee made Do the Right Thing, which is just one of the most powerful movies about race in cinema. Have you ever seen Do the Right Thing? No. It's a really good movie. Um, what's his name was the chauffeur, the... Morgan Freeman. Right, God. Yeah, God, yes. Yeah, and so yeah, kind of adds insult to injury that right, this that. powerful movie about race wasn't even nominated, and then they end up going with this very kind of anodyne, comforting movie that's like about race. It's often derided as what people refer to as a racism-solved movie. Okay. Or, you know, right. It's about the white people who once right. they finally meet the, the nice black person. It's, uh, yeah. it's just very comforting for white audiences. I actually, when I watch it again, I think that's not entirely fair because Miss Daisy doesn't change as the movie goes on. I mean, they develop a friendship, which is the point of the movie. From the beginning of the movie, she insists, I don't have a racist bone in my body. She's a very uh, progressive Jewish woman in the South. Um, there are signs that tell us that, no, she does have some biases that she doesn't know about. Like right when he starts working for her, she accuses him of stealing a, a can of salmon or something. Okay, yeah. But she never, like, comes. And then, like, even later in the movie, he drives her to a Martin Luther King dinner. And she just doesn't, she doesn't think to invite him in. He has to stay out with the cab just because right. that's, yeah. she just doesn't, it doesn't even occur to her this right. event where he would obviously be included and right. welcome. So the racism isn't solved. It's really about how unconscious bias remains unconscious. Interesting. Uh, so yeah. they become friends, but she just, she doesn't, right. she never comes to the point where like, oh, I, I can't believe I did that with the can of, of so it's never solved. So I think it gets a bad rap in that sense. 
But still, as a Best Picture winner, it just kind of has this skeevy movie of the week lightness. It's not mm-hmm. that great, especially from a really terrific year for movies. So we went through some of these nominees. There's also Do the Right Thing is a tremendous Really, movie I've never seen on it. Race. Yeah. When Harry Met Sally is this year. Oh, love that. Yes. The animated feature came back from the dead with The Little Mermaid. Oh, One of the best yeah, movies yeah. of the year of the, the third Indiana Jones movie, The Last Crusade. The Last Crusade. The is that the one with the umbrella? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Not the most memorable scene in that movie, but for maybe for you it is. Anyways, uh, a terrific year for movies. We're really... The dog's name was Indiana. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I I can see where it's down at eighty three, but okay. I think it's uh, it's a little unfair to slough it off as a racism solve movie because I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that. Okay, very nice. Yes, that's a wrap for part one. We'll be back with the rest of the worst of the best in part two.